Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. You're listening to the good stuff. Yeah. Podcasts. We are your hosts. I'm uh, Richard the L Train Lusk, and over there is Mr. Ryan Two Frames Bull. Howdy. How are you, sir? Doing well. This is the 169th episode. Can you believe it? Barely. That's a lot of episodes, man. I know. It's tiring. You can find all of our other episodes online at our website, www.theleftpodcast.com, or you can listen to us on multiple podcasting formats, including iTunes, where you can go and please, if you aren't already doing so, subscribe and most importantly, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you have been listening to the show, this show in particular, you're probably aware that I have a tendency to dislike big budget action movies, particularly those based on comic books. <laughs> However, this might be surprising. Might be surprising to our listeners, maybe not to you, but two of my top five movies in the last 15 years are in fact superhero movies. And depending on the day, my number one movie of the last 10 years may be Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, a DC comic books movie that features one of the most iconic movie villains of all time, the Joker, who makes an appearance in the movie for this week's review of Suicide Squad. Gentlemen, ladies, what if Superman had decided to fly down, rip off the roof of the White House, grab the president right out of the Oval Office? Who would have stopped him? I want to build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. Y'all jokers must be crazy. I'm not just one of y'all many toys. What? This is the deal. You disobey me, you die. Try to escape, you die. You got a boyfriend? You irritate or vex me. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. They get caught, we throw them under the bus. What a ride! Comic books this time. Are you going to pull the upset? I don't know. I don't know. We'll oh. see. Suicide Squad is this summer's latest, and one could say last, big budget comic book blockbuster. And it's set box office records for movies released in August. This is uh, Warner Brothers Studios' latest attempt at uh, solidifying a DC movie universe to rival the highly successful Marvel Films universe. Directed by David Ayer and co-starring Will Smith as Deadshot. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Uh, this movie is about a squad of supervillains who have been arranged by a U.S. intelligence officer, Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis. Mr. Bull, the critical response to this movie has been fairly negative. Overall, even positive reviews that I've read struggle to make sense of the complicated plot and have problems with the pacing of it. Is there enough of a silver lining to this cloud 
to justify people going to see it in the theater, or should Warner Brothers stick to making trailers for movies and leave the movie making to Marvel Studios? <laughs> the the trailer is the best part of this film, sure. Ooh. Well, why should I spend ten dollars to go see it? Because it's awesome. I mean, it's an awesome <laughs> popcorn film. All right, and it has a lot of solid moments in it. Overall, the casting is really good. I like the cinematography. It doesn't feel like a Marvel film, which I like. Uh, one of the big complaints about Marvel films is they're starting to feel a little cookie cutter and repetitive. You know, we've been there, done that before. Do we need another Iron Man movie? We've already had three of them. With Suicide Squad, we're getting something very different while still being around a lot of characters that we're familiar with. So I think that that's a positive. And I'd rather see an original film fail than see a derivative film succeed. Fair enough. <laughs> the problem that, I, that I'm having, though, is I'd rather see a good movie succeed than a movie that's not so great succeed. Because I think that this gives people the uh, that are in charge of this universe enough power to continue to make movies that aren't necessarily to my liking. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that they might ignore the critical response and continue to produce things of this ilk without, um, I don't know, maybe having a clear enough vision to have control of it, to have control of the universe. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I could get into a lot of reasons why I didn't like this movie, but you told me before we even started that you're going to make an argument that it's a good movie or that. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure exactly what I want to say about this film. This film has me solidly on the DC camp. And I think kind of before I, I could feel like I was on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. You know, I could go either way. I think after watching this film, I like what DC is doing overall. Okay. So, um, well, David Ayer, the director, famously re-echoed someone's statement in the middle of a preview screening of Suicide Squad. Someone intimated to the fact that people should, or that Marvel should F off or something along those lines. And David Ayer famously repeated that. He thinks, seems to think that he has stuck the landing with this movie, with Suicide Squad. So in, in a way, you got to appreciate the braggadocio nature of these movie makers who feel that they are sort of expressing a vision or like communicating yeah. a vision on screen. Well, and I think that's where this film got into a lot of problems. I mean, a lot of the scuttlebutt that's been going on for the last couple of months is that Ayers has been in dispute with the studio over the film. The studio ordered some reshoots. They wanted more uh, comedy added in because, you know, a lot of people were real negative on Batman v Superman for that. Mm -hmm. Um, they wanted more action set piece kind of stuff. They spent $10 million on reshoots. Uh, they assembled their own cut of the film while Ayers did his. They did a bunch of test screens for both. And the movie that we see now in theaters is a mismatch of both of those elements. Mm -hmm. So apparently his version was a lot darker, moodier. Yeah, it feels. I mean, it feels like a mismatch of differing visions. So maybe... Uh... Yeah. Maybe that's that's a problem with the with Warner Brothers that they're it, not allowing for a unified vision. Yeah, I mean if uh I mean how would you feel I don't know. I, I guess you would have to defend it 
overall, but if the vision that's out there on the screen is some mishmash of some, pro- you know, producer's notes mm-hmm. and some special effects uh, gags that we have that we can throw in there, how much of that is your vision and then how much of that do you have to own? Are you willing to own as a director? Like, does David Ayer protest too much with regard to what's out there? I don't know. I think he's trying to do his own riff on the comic book movie. And I think too much now we assume comic book is whatever Marvel's put out there. Mm -hmm. Even though there are lots of other comic book movies that have been in varying degrees of successfulness out there, you know, over the years, the Blade films, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, you know, had a very unique style to it that some people really dug, others didn't. You know, those are all comic book movies. I think I like what David Ayers was trying to go for here. And inherently, he's trying to tell a much more complicated story by having villains as your protagonist and having unlikable characters that you somehow still have to get the audience to root for without turning them all good and wholesome. That's really, really difficult to do. I know uh, a couple months ago after we had seen Batman v Superman, we were having a discussion about that versus Deadpool. Deadpool is inherently a much simpler film than Batman v Superman, right? Deadpool is basically origin tale, uh, guy saves girl. Where Batman v Superman, you're putting up two iconic protagonists and you're having to have them be at odds with each other, but you can't turn either of them into a villain and have the audience actively root against one of them. That's really, really difficult. You know, we saw Marvel do the same thing with Captain America, but they kind of turned Iron Man into a dick in that film. A lot of people really didn't care for him. I know I was one of those. That, but that's kind of what made that movie work. Did it? I think so. Because I'm not really excited to see them again on the screen. I don't need to see Robert Downey Jr. doing Iron Man anymore. Well, that might be... I mean, that that's you more than, I think, I, other outside movie. Like, but the I, movie I, going public. I, I don't see what his character is going to do. I, I don't see interest in that i can tell you this captain marvel or whatever captain america <laughs> civil war was a lot more deftly handled in terms of pacing and action and all cinema everything that you've just said in terms of plot and storyline and character development than this movie and then i understand like you have a clear viewing or, or rooting um Interest. Interest in one character over the other in that movie. You did, anyway. Mm-hmm. I think I did, too. I think I probably was on Team Cap or whatever. Yeah. But I saw people arguing for Iron Man and Tony Stark also uh, on on mm-hmm. my on the Facebook page. Um, this movie, though, you said that they're trying to do... They're trying to make unlikable characters likable. And I, I don't think that they went... I don't think they did a very good job with it. I don't think they went very far in either direction. Like, I don't think that there's enough in the characters to make me want to care about them. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think that there's enough to make them seem really that bad. That might be owing to his PG-13 rating, but it seems to me like the villain in the movie is the prison guard. (laughs) I mean, yeah, uh, the poor prison guard. Yeah, Yeah. Griggs or whatever. Griggs, thank you. He comes across immediately as being a jerk. And yeah, so immediately we're going to side with Will Smith, and that's probably owing to our attachment to Will Smith. But with Will Smith, all he does, like his greatest crime in this movie is knocking off a CIA or a, a mafia informant or something. That's really all we see of him doing bad. We see him like loving his 
daughter and caring very deeply for his daughter. So we're supposed to have a rooting interest in, in Will Smith. I don't really, because I don't really like his character, but I also don't think he's really that horrible. In the whole movie, they keep telling us how bad they are, but they don't really seem that bad to me. None of them do. I mean, they seem ill-drawn as characters, but I don't think that they seem evil. They don't come across to me as evil. Nobody does. They don't do a whole lot of evil stuff other than the fact they shoot guns, which is also weird in <laughs> the comic a lot book. Of guns. Yeah, that's weird to see our heroes shooting guns in a comic book movie. You know, largely it's all fisticuffs, maybe some gadgets, but when bullets start spraying, it's hard to root for them. I mean, we're much more of a like pacifist country now. It's mm-hmm. hard to be rah rah over PC. war stuff, yeah, and guns. If you, if I were to say, going back to the rooting interest argument, whose movie is this? Who are we supposed to care about overall? Who does the movie say we're supposed to? And then ultimately, who do you care about? I, I think the movie wants us to root for the whole squad, but even more specifically, Deadshot and Harley Quinn. It's their film, and if and arguably they're the most interesting characters on that team. Yeah, because I don't know much or understand much about any of the other characters, really. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Captain Boomerang's so, apparently in the Flash universe, and I wouldn't even know deals with him what his super skill was if Boomer. you didn't tell me that his name, name was, was Captain Boomerang. Well, I really mean, didn't. Know. I was like through the half of the movie, I was thinking, well, what is this guy's skill? Is he got a skill? Well, he's from the golden age of comic books. I mean, he's definitely a nineteen forties, nineteen fifties character. Where the name tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> I mean, he's growing up against a guy called The Flash. Hmm, wonder what his superpower is. <sighs> yeah. I, I, w- I, I, at the end of this, I'll, I'll give ways that I could have, that I would have, ho- I, I would make an argument for this movie yeah. being a very different thing. Yeah. I won't argue with you. The plot has problems. But I would also make the argument in a comic book movie. Plot is the least important thing. All right, let's talk because a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about the plot the okay. outline, though, for whatever it is, just right. so that people who haven't seen the movie and might be interested in going That's to fine. see it. All right, so this is about a uh, U.S. intelligence officer, Amanda Waller, who brings together, decides to assemble a team of dangerous incarcerated supervillains for a top secret mission. And armed with government weapons, this guy Debshot, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Killer Croc. And some other despicable inmates must learn to work together. Uh, the criminals unite to battle a mysterious and powerful entity while the diabolical Joker launches an evil agenda of his own. So that's kind of a summary of the plot, as convoluted as that is. Yeah. I don't even know if it even touches on all of the elements. So. Well, and then some of the stuff, I mean, there's a bit spoiler pretty early on in the film that they've managed to keep out of marketing. Oh, a cameo appearance? No, I think that leaked. Uh, the, the villain of the film, I noticed, was missing from your plot synopsis. Oh, okay, yeah. I kind of left that off as a... Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know if you wanted to leave that off for spoilers or not, but the movie is so complicated and complex that I don't really know <laughs> if it makes any difference if we name it. There are some other characters that are maybe are on the Suicide Squad, but aren't on the Suicide Squad that... Mm-hmm. ultimately figure in more importantly later on I, I but they know. could have been cooler to see i mean katana's one well then yeah then she's got this of... sword that supposedly steals people's souls after it kills it and i mean it's also kind of cool to see someone running around with a sword when everyone else has a gun she's interesting you could have cut her out of the movie completely or you could have expanded her role and left someone else off and it would have been awesome 
And there are other characters, uh, Captain, no, Killer Crocodile. Killer Croc. Whose superhero is he has a bad case of eczema? Yeah. I, I don't, what is his? He what has a skin condition. He's kind of more <laughs> reptilian and he's a big guy. Can he swim underwater? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He lives in the sewers. He's a big adversary of Batman. He's cool in the comic books and the cartoon movies Nothing I've seen him with in. Him, yeah. No, and he's played by Adelway something else. It's long. <laughs> he's most famous for playing Mr. Echo on Lost, and he was also in Oz. He was one of the main villains on that show. He's a really, really good actor. And they give him almost no lines. He's unrecognizable in the croc makeup. I had no idea who was playing the croc. Right. It was it makeup or CGI? Mostly makeup? Mostly Some makeup. CGI. Originally, it was supposed to be... Um, shark Man? Yeah, this uh, huge shark. El Sharkabo. But they figured, oh, we're going to have to do that all with CGI. We don't want to have a fully realized CGI character. So we'll do Killer Croc instead. Phew. There's another character, uh, El Diablo. Mm-hmm. Could have been an interesting character. I'm not sure in this movie he's very interesting at all. Aside from some things that he does later on. But for the most part of the movie, is like... I was thinking, he's reluctant mm-hmm. to be part of this group at all. And then my thinking is, why would he? Like, through most of the movie, I was thinking, why would he ever want to be a part of this group anyway? And the movie doesn't do enough to, to justify his being part of the group at all. I, I just I don't think so. Well, they're I, all I was, forced to be a part of the Suicide Squad. None mm, of them actually, I think, want to do this. Well, they kind of volunteer. Yeah. No. There's a there's a tryout. Once they've said yes, then they're compelled to remain. But nobody can make you go. Really, Margot Robbie said yes in this film. Pretty sure. I I don't know, and that, she's a complicated character too. But I know that uh, Will Smith's character has a tryout. Well, the the whole idea is. You get some time commuted off your sentence, and then they start to, I guess, uh, these these characters begin to ask for certain things, like a quid pro quo, mm-hmm. to be involved in the program. So, yeah, I think it's voluntary for the most part. I mean, you can choose not to do anything. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I, I also, I have a lot of problems with that scene with Will Smith. I mean, it's a cool scene. They do some stuff. I feel like that was one of the scenes that was tacked on. Yeah, that was a that was one of the reshoot scenes. Let's make this more into a Marvel film because I, I also think, in a lot of ways, it's an unnecessary scene because we've already established Will Smith's skill with guns. But there are a lot of scenes like that. Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, we, we we're still got to talk about the movie that's up there. Yeah. So even if it was tacked on or added on, it's still. I mean, it's it's something you have to endure. <laughs> For me, you either enjoy or endure, and I I felt. Yeah, I, I was kind of pounded over the head by some of these characters. I mean, and a lot of this is also just the way I watch films. I was constantly throughout this movie saying original, uh, original scene or tacked on. You know, what was originally in the screenplay? What did they add? That's the game I'm constantly playing in my head as I was watching this film. And I would assume a lot of people don't do that sort of thing, right? So, but but that is what I do, and that influences my experience with the film. So I feel compelled to mention it. Fair enough. I I'm trying to figure out though what if the movie allows us to to understand why the Suicide Squad exists. Yeah, I, I think it explains it its know. story, and I mean that's apparently what's in the comic books. I also think there are lots of little homages to the comic books. I mean, when they're opening up their trunks and getting out all their 
costumes and stuff. They're all, they're alternative versions of their costumes. They've been seen in other editions, uh, the various weapons, like you see Harley Quinn's mallet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the fanboys and the people who really love this stuff, the movie really is in service to that. You know, there are lots of iconic shots. I've seen stuff online showing like, uh, there's an iconic cover of Joker and Harley Quinn dressed up, smiling at the camera. It almost looks photo real. They redo that same shot in the film during one of the montages. Um, Harley's transformation into her alter ego that's taken straight from the new 52 storyline. Which transformation? Because it seems like there are a couple or there are more. Two, the, the second one. I mean, again, I don't know how much we want to spoil that. I don't know if you're, I mean, you wouldn't be spoiling for me if I were listening to this podcast because to me it didn't, I mean, all that stuff just washes over me. Oh, I mean, so, if you're a fanboy and you already know this stuff, then. Oh, so I loved all this stuff with them at Ace Chemicals. I mean, that even goes back to the original Michael Keaton Batman movie, you know, and how Joker See, got transformed. Way, that's at Ace Chemicals too. All right. Since the I big don't. vats of. But since I don't stuff. know any of that stuff really, I mean, I know the Ace Chemical mm-hmm. thing from the original Batman movie with Michael Keaton and all because of the way the movie is structured. And because this comes at a certain point in the movie, that's not a traditionally uh, a place where you would see the beginnings of a, mm-hmm. of the superhero or whatever it came across as metaphor and, or a dream sequence. Cause it was sort of like inner cut with other dream sequences and stuff. And it, it just, I, I wasn't sure if this was the origin story for this character or not. And if it was, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense one way or the other. Really? I mean, I, yeah. I, I agree. It's placement I mean, in the it's film like, is problematic. I don't think it adds a whole lot to the energy of the story. No, it but slows it's, it down. But seeing that the segment itself was interesting and seeing that origin story mm-hmm. and seeing the Joker dive after Harley and pull well, her it's, out. It's in the trailer, so yeah. we're not revealing a whole lot. Yeah, and all the colors bleeding through from mm-hmm. the Joker's suit, and then those are the colors that have stained Harley's skin and hair. Yeah, that's that's that fine visually, but it doesn't do a whole lot for the story, and it, it just it slows everything down. It does slow down the story. At the same time, I enjoyed getting to see that realized on the big screen. I enjoyed those two minutes hmm. while those two minutes were going on. Does it help with the overall film? No, it doesn't. Yeah, but I don't even think it earns its its place there as hmm. something enjoyable unless it's... Um, I mean, to me, it, it's disquieting, and then I thought maybe that's by design. Maybe this movie is set up to make you feel schizophrenic. Maybe you as the audience are supposed mm-hmm. to be Harley Quinn as you're watching it. Maybe. I know they cut out a lot of stuff with the Joker. More than half of... Yeah, I'm sick of hearing Jared Leto complain about that. But Just that, pipe down and let it be. Well, you know what makes me interested to see? The director's cut of the film and see all the cutout scenes. A five-hour movie. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's just the completion of science. But I, I, I was so put off by that because I was interested to see him as Joker. Mm-hmm. The parts that I did see, I mean, he's only in the movie for, like, what, seven or eight minutes? Maybe okay. not even that, but even that was too much. The The problems with Joker are there are too many scenes where he doesn't really have anything to do. When there is plot stuff, he's great. He, he creates a sense of menace. Um, there's a scene where they have to go to a warehouse. 
and they take out the security guard in an overly elaborate means, right? They could have just shot the security guard and, and done it. But no, they do it this way because there's a joke now, and that's the Joker, right? Okay. And I think they nailed that part of his personality. They go into the warehouse. They have to go after a scientist and get him to do what they want in the way the Joker coerces him. Again, was really good, but here's the Joker having something to do. Later on, there's another guy he has to talk to and get what he wants to do, but it's just the Joker being weird and Mm -hmm. trying to be intimidating. That doesn't work. Give him actual plot. I think that the part, the second scene that you're referring to is an important scene in terms of establishing the relationship that exists between him and Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it doesn't come off is a key cornerstone in the movie that doesn't work. And the whole edifice begins to crumble as a result of that, at least in terms of her relationship to him. But I'm saying if the Joker was the main antagonist of this film, I think he'd be a whole lot better to watch on screen. It would be a much better movie. But instead they have the Joker there on the periphery, and he doesn't really have much to do. And I think the worst thing is to just let Jared Leto um, uh, be freaky and creepy yeah, and just, emo and, and weird. It, it just, and yeah, just like show his grill. You know, like be a rap star. You know, it, it's like he's trying to do uh, impromptu jazz or improv jazz <laughs> as the know. Joker. I didn't even see that. There wasn't even that much artistry because it seemed to me like a bad. Heath Ledger impersonation for the most part, like his voice anyway. The visual stuff aside, it was so... But wow. give him an actual conversation to have. I mean, because arguably the best Heath Ledger scene in The Dark Knight is when he's interrogated by by Batman. And there's a lot of back and forth. There's right. a lot of interesting character in her Well, play. that and the pencil trick. <laughs> pencil trick's also great for characterization. But Jared Leto never really has a conversation in this film. Or they, if he does, yeah, they I only mean, show it, is, it in a montage. Yeah. Like, we have no real understanding for why Harley Quinn has any desire for him at all. Mm-hmm. And when she dreams of him, he's a very different version of of what he actually is. So, unless Harley Quinn as uh, or, or I don't know what her original name was, but she was a doctor or her psychiatrist. Harley Quinn's Quinzel. Quinzel. <laughs> they yeah, just had an L like at the that. end of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Harley and Quinzel. Okay. Uh yeah, there's not enough to explain why we should care, why she cares about him, and then later on why it, it becomes the central mm-hmm. focus of the movie. So, but do you think you could bring back Jared Leto uh, in the 2018 Batman movie, the standalone film they're planning on doing? Have Harley Quinn with him and have him be the main antagonist. I think that could work because I, now he has stuff to do. I honestly other don't than know. chase after his lost girlfriend. It was, I did not like watching him. I didn't like his version of Joker. And that was one of the things that I was interested in seeing coming out. Like, one of the reasons I was so interested in this movie and wanted to go see it was Jared Leto's performance. And I was convinced, I didn't care about what he looked like necessarily, but I think he's a good enough actor to where he could stand up to some of those other portrayals. I think I even said this last week in the We Laugh. I was kind of looking forward to this Jared Leto. I don't want to see Jared Leto again. I'd like to know who the next Joker's going to be. Oh, I don't think they recast it that quick. No, they won't. But No, of course not. This, I think, goes to one of my larger points. These movies are sold to us based on the characters that they're going to contain. You know, when the next Thor movie comes out, why are we going to go see it? Thor. What's the story going to be? I don't know, but I'm already planning on seeing it. Right? Do you know what the story is for the next Wonder Woman film? 
Well, yeah, I know it's her origin story. Okay, origin story. And I do know that. So I mean, uh, I've seen the trailer. So. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 comes out next summer. Any idea what that story is? Or are you into that but I understand excited to see it because of the characters it contains? This movie was not a... a it, it was original um, script by David Ayer with these characters. It wasn't a comic book originally. I mean, these. I don't think that Suicide Squad was a comic. No, no. Book. This this iteration. I don't think this combination of characters has ever appeared in Suicide Squad. Okay. In a comic book, and David Ayer was given six weeks to sit down, less time than we have in the summer. He was given six weeks to sit down and write this movie. As teachers, we are given less time. <laughs> I can't imagine coming up with a decent enough movie, and I don't think he did. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think he he had enough time to write this script out, and I don't think he had enough. I, I just don't think there's enough there there the, in the movie because the the main problem I have with this movie is the lack of a clear villain and the lack or or a clear antagonist anyway, and they mishandle that so incredibly. It's like a uh, it's it, I I. I it's hard for me to believe that they could have done such a poor job with that because it's mishandled in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Plot, story, character, um, the I think some of the visuals surrounding it are ham-fisted and ridiculous. The duality nature of it, the origin of it, all of it. It's all overly complicated and ridiculous. And then at the end, I'm, I was just left with like... Man, I'd like to see these characters. I would never, ever want to see them fight that character again. And it didn't really make any sense for me. Sorry. Okay. I, I do think it's setting up a lot of elements for these future films. I mean, one of the big things now is what do we do with metahumans? There's a line that's in the trailers. What if, you know, Superman was a bad guy and had just flown down into the Oval Office and killed our president? You know, what could we have done to stop him? I like the states building that this movie is starting to add to. In fact, you know, go back to even Man of Steel. That's really trying to do something new with that Superman character. I think it's. And I think all of these films are. I mean, Batman v Superman is trying to tell a much darker, grimmer story that sets up a very dangerous world where we truly need these superheroes. I think in the Marvel films, do we feel like we need these superheroes as much? No, but they're funner to watch. And it's not They're so dour because we're and, laughing more. And yeah, isn't that kind, enjoy, isn't that kind of a cheat? And it no. lets us overlook the story. Because I could argue Captain America Civil War, its story is a huge mess just as well. But because there are more jokes, we're not paying attention to how little content there really is in that film. And I'll agree, it's a better looking film. But it also had twice the budget. The action is better. The, the characters are better. And the fact that they had... That all of those characters are drawing on um, movies that have already been made, mm-hmm. and you don't have to flash up on the screen a playing card of their abilities and put in the corner what they might be interested in or how many people they've killed, or have another character talk about how how interesting they are, or how bad they are. Those movies exist in a much um, more enjoyable way uh, than. This movie, but a more direct analog is Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There's a device that, uh, I don't know, Star Killer or whatever his name mm-hmm. is in uh, that movie. He pulls up a device and it does something and it shows something. Visually, they show uh, something on screen without any explanation, without any, uh, you, you don't have to go into this weird, complicated way 
of uh, explaining why this thing exists. This movie feels it has to over-explain, and then sometimes it explains it in different ways that contradict what it's already said. And it just feels too forced. Okay. It feels like they're trying too hard. It's like, to me, this movie is like a classroom full of kids, and they're having there's 35 kids, and they're having 15 different conversations at the same time, and everybody's trying to be louder. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Uh, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think a lot of that is the studio is not letting the director make the film he wants. And, you know, there, there's, they're not agreeing on, even on a vision. If you say it has to be a collaborative effort, that's fine. But they're not agreeing ahead of time what that vision should be. But here's the thing. I think Marvel films have gone about as good as they can get. And you're not really on board. With DC films, you can say, yeah, this one doesn't work. The elements are there where if it did work, it'd be pretty awesome. And you said at the beginning of the show, your favorite film in the last 10 years is The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. There is, I think, something more interesting about DC characters and some of these storylines and even just the moments in them. Um, you know, go watch The Flash Paradox. It's a great animated film where they go into an alternative reality where Batman isn't Bruce Wayne. He's his father. The father's the one that survived that gunshot. There's a wonderful reveal at the end of that movie, and there's a wonderful moment. I've never felt those wonderful moments in Marvel films. With these characters, if they can get it right, we're going to have something amazing on the screen. Uh, you know, if Justice League can nail the formula, we're going to have something great. I think you're defending this movie by saying that other movies are great well, and that the other movies can be great, but every movie we're given since The Dark Knight Rises, which you really didn't like that much, but every movie since then in the DC Universe has been plotting and annoying. I and loved Man of Steel. You did. I'm saying I didn't. I know. And, and it's, all, it's all subjective. The other thing is they make a lot of money. So they'll continue on this realm and they'll continue to make these movies or on this route. Mm-hmm. They can continue to make these movies and people are going to gobble them up. But it's always based on the promise of what could happen, of what might be. And but no, it's not what might be. They have shown that Batman can be an intoxicating character where the public is outraged when the film isn't nominated for Best Picture, where Heath Ledger is the only comic book actor to ever win an Academy Award for his performance. I mean, no other comic book character has even been nominated. Right. So these things do work. Right. When they, done well. They can work when done well. I'm saying this movie doesn't. Yeah, but it's not the the, the un uh it, it, a promise that has never come true yet. You know, we're we're hoping sometime in the future this will all work. It has worked in the past, going down a grittier storyline that is largely devoid of humor can work. I think that you're still arguing for something uh, you're making an argument for the potential of a movie instead of telling me how or why this movie is good and this movie by itself is not a good movie i told you i I like the harley quinn bat story stuff yeah i know you said those didn't work i know but i'm telling you what parts i do like and there are some things that i that i like as well some things some small things i just think overall it's a shame that movies that aren't that great make a lot of money and they continue to do well in the movie theater because i'm afraid that it's going to be the same thing that we continue to get i mean why should they change the formula if they continue to make money because they could arguably make more i think unfortunately you know while this movie makes 140 million dollars this weekend we're talking about this on sunday 
next week, it's going to have a huge drop-off, just I like Batman v Superman did. Katana is in this movie, so it will appeal to the Asian markets, and that's where they're headed, and that's why she was a tacked-on thing, that they're like, oh yeah, hey, this is my girl Katana. Don't mess with her. She'll cut you. You know, even Slingshot, I think he's either Mexican or he's sort of Asian-looking. Slipknot. Slipknot or Slingshot or whatever the guy <laughs> can climb things. <laughs> I don't know. He seems to be like he's tacked on to appeal to a broader audience. And, and I, I don't know. I, whatever. I could be wrong. I'm willing to admit that I could be wrong. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the promise of these movies has not been fulfilled for me. And I continue for the last three or four movies in the DC universe or the last three movies. I'm continually excited about it. Genuinely want to go see them. And then I'm always let down and disappointed by him. But there's still, again, I can even argue Batman v Superman. There are some great moments in that film. There are small set pieces. Batman's fight in the warehouse, arguably the best superhero fight of the year. It's even better than the airport fight scene, you can argue, in uh, Captain America Civil War. You can argue. I don't think you're going to win. I mean, a lot. Of we- I like watching Batman, just watching one guy, you know, going around kicking butt like he does. It was kind of That's sad. exactly what we've always wanted to see Batman do on the big screen. All right. Because it's what we feel he can do in the comic books and the stories, but we've never seen it realized visually. Let's spoil this. and let, okay. Let's start to spoil it because it'll give a good reason for a, a good argument for what you just said for why I don't necessarily like this movie. Okay. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. Batman would never, ever, ever attack Deadshot in front of his child in an alleyway. He wouldn't do this. Batman, the code of honor that Batman has would not allow him, as a character, to go after Deadshot when he's not even dressed up as Deadshot or he doesn't even look like Deadshot in an alleyway with his daughter while they're eating ice cream after going to see a movie or something. It just doesn't, it, that's the kind of world that this guy has created with these characters that sort of undermines the character that I would rather see in a movie. I'd rather see Batman take on Deadshot and take him down than sneak up behind him in an alleyway just like Batman's as we've seen in every single origin story with Batman, just like he was attacked. And I I don't like that about that movie. I didn't like Mm. it when it happened. And I think it's a, I don't know, it's either an oversight or a cheap shot or it's a a mishandling of a theme. What do you mean? It doesn't have to end in violence. He can get Deadshot to come along peacefully. Still terrorize that little girl. He he took away his Batman terrorized him? By or taking or Deadshot terrorized his own daughter there. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> that could have gone a very different way as well, right? I, I didn't like that. I, di- I didn't like his, their handling of Batman there. And another thing that happened with Batman, uh, since we're in the spoiler section, I don't mind saying it, the biggest laugh in our theater, and I'm as non-PC as anybody that you'll meet, Yeah, I think that you know, right? Yeah, yeah. The biggest laugh in our theater that I remember came when Batman punched Harley Quinn in the face. And I'm surprised nobody's made a big big deal about that. Nobody's nobody's even said anything about that. And I I was a little taken aback. I was like, not necessarily by the fact that it happened, because it had to happen because she attacked him. And that's the best way to deal with someone that's attacking you. But the fact that it was, 
I don't know if it was played for laughs, but it came across as funny. And the audience lapped it up. And I was like, huh, that's kind of sad. That's a sad reflection of where we are as a society. And this whole movie, the fact that it's that popular is a sad reflection of where we are as a movie going public. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if she's attacking Batman and we're equal opportunity, you should be able to get hit. Right. There's also a bit of an homage there in uh, some of the video games and TV shows. Harley goes to attack Batman, you know, goes through some elaborate setup, you know, showing off how good she is, charges at Batman, and he takes her out with a single punch. Right. You know, so you think you're about to get this knockdown fight. The whole it, Indiana it, Jones and, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, to me, I saw it, it kind of as that. So, you know, it kind of makes it funny in that regards. But, yeah, sure. I guess we shouldn't laugh at women getting beat. Well, not, I mean. I don't know what we do with Wonder Woman, then. I think nobody can beat Wonder Woman's butt. But if she gets hit, then we can't. I mean, I think I don't Wonder know. Woman is like, I know in the DC Marvel crossover, I think she's the only character that can use Thor's hammer. Others have picked it up from time to time, but yeah, yeah but she's she won. Used it. Yeah. And then she's like, ooh, <laughs> surprised at her power, which thematically is a pretty cool thing. I'm kind of waiting for the DC Marvel crossover movie in 10 years. Oh, that could come. be a huge event. Yeah, but again, it's that it's the promise of it. Uh, yeah, the promise has not been paid off here. Overall, though, DC is producing some of the best superhero content. I think the Flash TV show is the best thing out there if you want superhero stuff. Um, their video games are superior. The DC animated movies, by and large, have been much better than Marvel. I know the Killing Joke that came out last week mm-hmm. didn't work. I watched it. It, it does have problems, but at least they're trying to tell one of the iconic comic book stories. I haven't heard from the Marvel fanboy community. What are the iconic Marvel stories to tell with the Avengers or the Fantastic Four? Oh, I'm sure they're out there. I don't know. But, but I, I haven't heard really them clamoring for them, where I feel like DC does a well, much Fantastic better job. Fantastic Four is mishandled. In fact, Fantastic Four and other Spider-Man movies that aren't in the Marvel Universe, per se, mm-hmm. are some of the, like, they rate down there yeah. critically with this movie. But what are the, I mean, if these are iconic, iconic comic book characters, shouldn't they also have iconic storylines that we get to see realized on the screen? Maybe. I and don't why know, haven't we a, gotten to see For the casual fan, it doesn't make any difference. Like, I don't know who... Who, uh, but if it's a great story, Wonder as a Woman casual big... fan, you should react to it when you do get to see it. Maybe you don't need to, you don't have to go in knowing the Bat story. But if it's a great story, you'll respond to it. Well, arguably, Batman versus Superman could have been a great story. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this movie could have been a good story too. I read the uh, the sequence or, or uh, film syn- or a plot synopsis of the Arrow TV show. That was an episode was Suicide Squad. And that description of that episode was better than this entire movie. Yeah, but that episode wasn't as good as this well, movie. This movie you can't I mean, just... and again, it's hard to do it because, I mean, they're telling in a 42-minute format and the budget's nowhere near. I tell you how, this, how you could have improved this movie. You could have released in streaming format online somewhere or in the, like, I don't know, have the DC channel. Um... 40 minute vignettes or 15, 20 minute vignettes of these guys being the bad guys that they say they are actually really being bad Mm -hmm. and then use this movie to show us why we should care about them. Um, Yeah, no, I I agree with that completely. And 
I know they talk about multimedia platforming. What they need to be talking about is multiple media platforming. Having the people go out and watch stuff on their phones ahead of the film. You know, putting out, like you said, a 10, 15 minute segment every month for six months leading up to the film so that we get introduced to all these characters. Yeah, if they had waited a year, instead of doing all these trailers Mm -hmm. and all the, the, you know, the uh, barrage of, um, I don't know, music videos or whatever. So they're doing all that. They could have, they could have spent their money on, on that sort of marketing and it would have made for a better movie going experience for me. Because the big loser in all this is me. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing is it also lets you audition new directors because you could say, okay, I need 10 minutes from you. Here's $5 million, you know, go shoot something. And it lets you test a a director out. Maybe a big budget action movie is not the format for this sort of storytelling. I, I still think you want to have a culminating event that brings everyone together. They're and trying I to think, have it all at the same time in this movie. Yeah, I, I think that's why it doesn't work. Yeah, no, I, I could agree. But a, a multiple media storytelling, I think that could be awesome. I know sometimes they've tried to release comics alongside of movies that you can go and read online. They've never done a good job of publicizing those things. Yeah, sure. No, it needs to be more of an event type thing. But yeah, if if you ran a thirty second commercial and then you went, you want to see how this ends? Go to dccomicbook.com and then you get to see ten more minutes of stuff. You know, put it out as like a disposable screen on a cereal box, and you can show a fifteen minute or a fifteen or a five minute video of your favorite uh, movie. I I just saw it today. My wife and I were watching the Olympics, and they're intercutting highlights from day one of the Olympics with the new Star Wars movie. And they said, tune into the Olympics on Thursday to see the new trailer for Star Wars. And I thought, who benefits from this? Star Wars. <laughs> but Star Wars, if they put out a new trailer online, it's going to get a billion views in the first 24 hours. Right. And if oh. you're a Star Wars fan, are you already watching the Olympics or would you not be? I, I don't I don't know. Follow I, I don't understand somehow. the synergy there that that creates. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think both of these things are big enough events on their own that they don't need the other one. But I don't know. I like Star Wars. I don't like the Olympics. But now I'm kind of interested in, in the Olympics. You don't watch the trailers. I won't watch stuff. the trailers. That's right. All right. This is how I would have made this movie. All right. The original, I think the original cartoon, comic book had like a small black op squad of Suicide Squad members. Uh, and I, I don't even know if any of these guys were part of it. But they were put together for a specific mission. I think that the mission that these guys have is too vague at the beginning to Mm -hmm. even justify their existence. So if you'd have had, you could have done all this pre-title. If you'd have had like a, like a history of the suicide squad throughout the years, starting in the forties as black ops squads. And then at the time, you know, around the turn or around the hook in the movie, if you get to the point where you explain why these characters are in this situation, then you can go back and, show their different origin stories, but starting with someone trying to explain or sell the existence of a starting out a suicide squad, it just didn't work and it didn't make any sense for me. I like the idea of having it as an entity that pre-existed as a special black ops unit that would allow for characters to move in and out of this thing. And then that doesn't matter who's in it. Then by the time we get around to this movie or the events of this movie, it makes sense that there's a suicide squad and hey, yeah, you can sign up for this thing. Mm-hmm. You can get some time knocked off of your sentence. Or, I mean, I thought a great line would have been, uh, I don't know if they'd say it or not in the movie, but <laughs> Boomerang is like in there for 300 years or something, right? 
uh, he finishes this thing, and they're like, yeah, so now your sentence is 290. You only have 290 more years in here. Yeah. But if he goes out on 100 more missions, he gets out. Yeah, if he survives. I mean, one thing is they're going to have to start to kill off these characters. And that's if they do how they films the here, too. That's why they, they had that slip guy. Slip yeah, Slipknot, yeah. Just so they could blow him up. No, I, I agree. They, <sighs> if they could have killed off more of the characters, that would have helped. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know when we're, we're going to get another Suicide Squad movie. I mean, to me, it seems like DC's pretty focused on getting the Justice League stuff up and going... Um, and then doing the standalone films like Wonder Woman's coming out next year. Then we get Aquaman, the Flash, ba- yeah, Batman, Aquaman somewhere in there. Well, didn't the, isn't the Justice League movie now its own thing? It's not going to be split into two movies. Yeah, I, I've heard differing reports on that. Well, the Stinger in this movie sets up an adversarial yeah. relationship between the Suicide Squad and the Justice League. So eventually, it's going to be Justice League versus Suicide yeah. Squad. I mean, that's just where they're headed. Yeah, they'd like to. I mean, the problem is Justice League is so overpowered. You're going to have to add in some bigger, more powerful villains. I, I, I don't know. But I like the DC's taking chances. I mean, it, go back to Wonder Woman. It's directed by a woman. It's the first time we, they've had a female director in any comic book movie. Um, the director, this Patty Jenkins, she hasn't directed a movie since her first film, Monster, with Charlize Theron. And Charlize Theron like won a Best movie. Actress award. This woman can't get work. She's had to do a lot of TV stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're letting her do Wonder Woman. In 2010, they had the trailer for Iron Man 2 come out. And we saw Black Widow doing a flying scissors takedown of a guard. And we went, oh, she needs her own movie. For the last seven years, we've been saying Black Widow needs her own standalone film. And Marvel won't give it to us. So There DC, are no plans. DC, well, the, the feminist uh, the, comic book entity for you. But, I mean, they're trying new stuff. I mean, when uh, when Superman Returns didn't work 10-plus years ago... Uh, you they know, rebooted with, the whole thing. Yeah, you know, oh, we can't have a clean-cut Superman anymore. So Man of Steel gives us a much grittier Superman. You know, one that everyone was upset about killing Zod at the end of that film. It's like, well, okay, you didn't like the old version of Superman. We're giving you something new. I mean, DC is trying. Yeah. E Fan for boy. effort. Fanboy. so there's our review of suicide squad um i guess my movie quote for you would be the same thing that i would ask dc and warner brothers why so serious (laughs) (laughs) so for mr bull over there i'm richard lusk pox at bonum everybody there be dragons Are you going to the movies this weekend? Let Laugh know what you saw. Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash the Laugh Podcast. The best comments will get read on a future show.